With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, one more beer for me. Exile means quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink football. Enjoy your exile. HN Podcast. Talking Big Ten football. From week five here from the Exile Brewing Company Studios. Thank you to Exile. Thank you to Heartland Flagpoles and Flags for your sponsorship. Steve, Friday night, Nebraska football is made for Fridays. Um, they went and traveled to Champaign, Illinois, and took on the fighting Illini. And my gosh, Illinois sucks. They are really, really bad. Nebraska did to them what they needed to do. Tanner Lee actually looked pretty competent in that game. Uh, Nebraska was able to run the ball, made some big plays from Stanley Morgan Jr. to DeMornay personnel. Nebraska actually looked the way that it should look in this game. Well, we've learned they're better than Rutgers in Illinois. We've learned that. So That's their bumper sticker. Thank That's you, Sean Eichhorst. We've you know, learned that. Yeah, you know, this is going to be a really short podcast, and that's okay. Um, with just cutting to the core analysis like that. It's going to be if you keep asking me about Nebraska, Illinois, I promise that. <laughs> well, let's let's up the ante a little bit. Penn State, Indiana, your thoughts? <laughs> Don't kick the ball to Saquon Barkley. Yeah, this, this is like Steve Dace in 140 verbal characters or less. <laughs> Seriously, though. You know, I mean, that that was the dumbest decision since Bo Schembechler kicked at the Rocket Ishmael again. I mean, come on. What what what, what are you doing? You, you paid no attention whatsoever? None? Let's kick it right to him. Okay. I mean, come on, man. Come on. Don't kick it to him. Why would you do that? Do you know what? Would you do that if you were coaching a team? No. He, he, he is so worth the price of admission. That guy is... Yeah. He's something else. I saw a replay of that um, return where they had like a miles per hour graphic on it, and they showed his 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 line of flight, if you will, on the run, yep. his path, yep. just how he was going over twenty miles per hour on corners. I mean, it, <laughs> he is uh, he is a generational talent. He really and truly is. You know, it's too. It's funny because I think before I compared him to a cross between Kajana Carter and Reggie Bush, and yeah. when I when you look at him, I heard a national you know, guy do pull the Kajana Carter thing too. I can't remember who it was, but yeah, did you? Okay, because yeah. I, I I think Kajana Carter had more power. Reggie Bush had even crazier lateral quickness. I mean, somebody was asking me about Barry Sanders on Twitter today, and you know, listen, obviously, I, I saw every snap Barry Sanders played in his career, and uh, and I, I'm not sure he's the greatest running back of all time, but his I've never I've, I've not encountered anybody whose running style where it was as distinct as his. So mm-hmm. I, to me, I, to me, comparing Barry Sanders is 
it's just a, it's it's just such a distinct style. I can't compare it. Uh, I don't know that I think Saquon Barkley is is the most powerful guy, the fastest guy, the greatest vertical or the greatest lateral quickness guy in the, in those particular areas. But I think his combination of all of those things is so good. I, I don't see a weakness. I, I don't know. I don't know what you take away. I don't. And I think James Franklin's done a masterful job in the way that he has used him in that um, he's created a Heisman Trophy candidacy, not just because the guy, the, the way the guy can run, but his, his all-encompassing game. He threw a touchdown pass on Saturday, you know, and, and they've created this aura around him that I think has created a mystique and aura around their team. And I think that the and, and they have manufactured this by the way they're using him. They're they're doing things with him we have not seen the last two years. Okay, he was a traditional running back who catched the ball out of the backfield. They've turned him into uh, essentially, uh, of, you know, their own Christian McCaffrey. And that's kind of funny to hear all these people talk. We've never seen this before. So you didn't watch Christian McCaffrey the last two years because it <laughs> seems like it's exactly what we saw. Actually, okay, but that's that's the world in which we live. But I think it's masterful how Franklin, who and, and his team has done have done this because one of the things we talked about coming into this season was what Penn State hasn't faced these kinds of expectations as a program pre since pre Sandusky. Franklin's never faced it in his coaching career, and and one way they've insulated themselves from it is this mystique they have created around Saquon Barkley. We almost forget that this team's number five in the country. We almost forget they're the defending Big Ten champs. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like a whole new brand. It's like you're listening to Magical Mystery Tour, and you don't realize that these were just these were all the songs the Beatles didn't think were good enough to make it on Sgt. Pepper's. These are like the this is like the rest of the remainder of those songs. But in your mind, you're like, wow, this is a whole new album. Well, it's just the leftovers from the other album. But the, it's so masterfully repackaged that you're like. This is a whole new thing. Is that true, that, by the way? What's that? Is that for real true? That the, is true. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, I mean Abbey Road, the last, the last live piece of music the Beatles ever recorded, is the last line of Abbey Road. In the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Well, Steve, the Let It Be album came out the next year. The Let It Be album is that were the songs left over from Abbey Road. Hmm. So yeah, so um, I, I think I love how they've done that. They've taken all the pressure off of their team because because he's the mystique and aura surrounding him has allowed the rest of these guys to grow up and it, it, within what would normally be a pressure-packed environment with all of these expectations. Yeah, and a pretty dangerous quarterback can just you know be still play carefree for another year like he did last year and Trace McSorley. Exactly. The, yep. the, to me, the, the thing with McSorley and McCaffrey, your, your point is valid. But the thing is, it's rare to see a large man like like um, Barkley move with such nimbleness, such just lateral drop on a dime moves. McCaffrey is five eleven two oh five. Barkley is five eleven two thirty, mm-hmm. and I and I think that maybe adds more to the mystique when saying. Boy, we haven't seen something like this before, or it's been a long time since we've seen it. Yeah, we saw Christian McCaffrey make similar plays and, and jaw-dropping plays at Stanford. But we haven't seen someone 230 pounds show that 
Barry Sanders like jump cut ability and do the things that he's done. And maybe yeah, maybe what, that's what just you're it. essentially what you what you're describing is Reggie Bush's game and Adrian Peterson's body. Pretty that's much. what you're describing. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. not not seen that. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin, 33, Northwestern, 24. I listened to a lot of this game on my drive back from Colorado Saturday. And really, you, you know, halftime, Northwestern led. The, the stats were incredibly mundane. Um, you know, Wisconsin's quarterback kind of fell back to some old habits. But in the second half, Wisconsin just came out and did Wisconsin-style things. And in the end... They win by nine. I don't know how good they are. I don't. They're good, but I I actually think their schedule is going to do them a disservice. If it's as if it turns out it's as soft as everybody claims, you go from just rolling these teams every week where you can just they essentially took the whole fourth quarter off and still won by nearly double digits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden we get into late November. And you got to turn the whole thing on to play Michigan at the end of the year, or even to get by that game. You know, you got to turn the whole thing on to play the Big Ten. I, I don't know. I, I think at some point you got to play somebody, and I just don't see. They're one of the only teams in college basketball, college football right now that the FBI has them better than seventy percent to win every game remaining on their schedule, mm. and I, I just don't think that benefits you as a team i don't you need a scare you need somebody to challenge you and well steve they got challenged by northwestern we don't think northwestern's very good you know everybody's all impressed with what they did against byu this this looks like byu just got blitzkrieg by utah state man this may be the worst byu team in like you know pre-lavelle edwards going back 40 years so who have they beaten who have they beaten in fact i'm not sure how many who who anybody in this league is beaten? You know, I've watched every game Florida's played. I don't know how good they are. I, they deserve to be in the top twenty-five, I think. But I don't. But I don't know whether to put them at fourteen or twenty-five. Okay. Well, the reason I bring them up because when Mich- Michigan's victory over Florida is the only win over a team currently ranked that the Big Ten Conference has. So, you know, Wisconsin has played nobody. Ohio State's four wins are against teams who have who between them combined have one win over a power five foe. Okay? They have played no one. The headline from college football talk, Ohio State serves notice not to overlook them in big the Big Ten race. First of all, if you were overlooking Ohio State in the Big Ten race, you're a total ass clown. You're, you suck at this, so stop. Okay? Secondly, it was Rutgers. Nobody serves anything. Except, you know, uh, you know, hot dogs like Jamel Holloway and Brian Bosworth used to eat on the sidelines of Jack Trice Stadium at halftime. It's Rutgers. You don't learn anything from playing them. I don't know what Ohio State learns. They're going to play nobody for a month and a half and then host Penn State. I don't think that does them any good either. I don't. Especially when before that, the only team you played with a pulse before that came into your own stadium Blitzkrieged you in the second half, and then damn near lost to Baylor two weeks ago. I don't know that these the schedules the big, the Big Ten teams are playing. You know, I don't know, and and some of it's bad luck. You know, when Penn State put Pitt back on the schedule, that was supposed to be a big deal. Last year it was, 
This year, not so much. Iowa already has to play Iowa State. A lot of years, they play a second team like a Pitt or somebody else. But frankly, I think in this era of, of it's about how many wins you have more than who you beat, uh, I don't know that it's smart to put another Power 5 team on there. If you're Iowa, so you, as you've been pointing out, you kind of just need Iowa State to be pretty good. In Wisconsin's defense, playing at Provo, I mean, we've seen number one teams oh, in the yeah. country in our lifetime go out there and lose. It's not their fault. They happen to pick the one year to go out there that they might be the worst team they've had in like a half century. So it's not like, you know, we're out here playing Susquehanna every single week, okay? I don't blame Ohio State for for – in and around playing Oklahoma, playing, you know, the Sisters of Tender Mercies. I don't fault them for that. That's the way you should schedule. But, man, you if you're going to get blown out, though, by Oklahoma, and then the next four and a half weeks are a bye, and then, hey, all of a sudden let's turn it right back on to play Penn State, I don't think that does you any good at all. So I'm not sure how good a lot of these teams in the Big Ten are. Yeah. Heartland Flagpoles and Flags has flags of various shapes and sizes, banners, windsocks, and more of nearly every team and every sport. That's college, NFL, MLB, NBA, and hockey. If you feel like maybe you're the only Seattle Seahawks fan in your neighborhood, don't worry. They have flags for you as well. Heartland Flags has more than 100 Iowa Hawkeye items from flags to tiki totems, metal signs, luggage tags, and so much more. Let your fandom fly when you shop at Heartland Flags. Free shipping. Seriously, when you shop online, we're talking about free shipping. Your orders will ship for free from Heartland Flags. Heartlandflags.com is the website. Go check it out. Dace, he's a huge Michigan fan. He's a Detroit Lions fan. Rob Howe is a New York Mets fan. I went to their website. Heartlandflags.com has it for you. Again, free shipping on all orders online. Follow them on Twitter at Heartland Flags. And once again, visit them online at heartlandflags.com. Not sure how good Minnesota is after losing to Maryland 31-24 at home. I'll say this. They look small. Minnesota? watching on camera. Yeah, they looked small next to Maryland. Small. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned last week, Maryland's really down to their fourth-string quarterback, and I did not Yeah, because people that. keep forgetting Caleb Henderson, the North Carolina transfer, got hurt in camp. All right, now he's back now. But the guy that is starting actually came out of camp as their fourth string quarter. Came into camp as the fourth string quarterback. Hmm. That is uh, that is something. Minnesota, I think, is on Iowa's docket uh, shortly after they return from their bye. Uh, Northwestern. Then I think they play Minnesota at home. Um, nationally, you and I this week didn't have our greatest picks of the year. I was seven and eight. You were six and nine. Um, but we did call a couple, and, and one that we called was Washington State covering against USC. I think both of us felt that Washington State would win that game outright. Uh, they did. Luke Falk, quarterback for Washington State, served some notice nationally to, to not be overlooked, to use the serve some notice. That was a fun game to watch. It was. I don't know what the heck it was doing on a Friday night. I agree. Okay, it, it, you know, well past. 1 a.m. Eastern when that thing was finally decided. But, you know, we talked a little bit about this. You know, not that I'm comparing Sam Darnold to Nathan Stanley, but we talked a little bit about this in the Iowa podcast that we put up earlier this week. You know, teams have some film on Nathan Stanley that Wyoming and Iowa State did not have. Now it's going to be nothing compared to when they have an entire offseason to study him 
but you're going from nothing to you know something to to for so now you're going to force Nathan Stanley to make some second and third reads that you know Wyoming and Iowa State just didn't have the film on him to force him to make. Well, you're seeing this even more with Sam Darnold now. You've had an entire offseason to break his game down, and he is still making some superhuman plays out there. But <clears throat> a little bit of a drop-off in, in, in fr- from elite to pretty good skill position talent. And so the windows, <clears throat> guys aren't quite as open as they were last year. And, and now we've got nine interceptions, and you know he gets stripped and fumbles, and that closes out the game against Washington State. And... That's a huge win for the Cougars, but they only have two more home games the rest of the year. So I think that's a pretty bad loss for the Pac-12. The coup, wait a second. They only have two more home games the rest yeah. of the year? Their first five games this season all at home. They only have two more home games the rest of the year. So they must play five conference road games this year and four yes. home. Okay, gotcha. Yes. So I think when it's all said and done, I, I still think they'll be an 8-4, and 9-3 and three team at Washington State. Um, so I think right now, I, I, unless USC wins out, which I don't think they will, they have some tough games. That, that game at Notre Dame is not going to be easy. Notre Dame is playing a lot better defense. They're running the football like a mother. And, you know, you're going to beat a lot of teams if you play good defense and run the football. And Notre Dame is doing that right now. They still have to play at Notre Dame. Um, I, 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 Washington's there in the Pac-12, but look at their schedule. Their best win is Colorado, who's okay, not nearly as good as they were last year. Who have they played? Nobody. Other than Colorado, they have played nobody. A lot of these teams, John, I mean, Alabama's looked really impressive. I mean, 66-3 to in a conference game? It's crazy. But you're also talking about a team that has been decimated by injuries, transfers, NCAA probation. They're, you know... Um, to me, the one team that has impressed me, Clemson. Clemson. And that, and now when I say that, there have been moments when a lot of teams have impressed me. Alabama has had moments when it's impressed me. Michigan's defense has had moments when it's impressed me. Saquon Barkley has had moments when he's impressed me on behalf of Penn State. But the one team that I think has been impressive is Clemson. In the history of the AP poll, they're the, this is the first time a team has beaten three top 15 teams in the first month of the season, and two of those were true road games. I'm impressed with Clemson, and I think people need to keep this in mind. Kelly Bryant, Tavion Foster, uh, ATN, the other tailback, these are young guys. They're going to be better in November than they are right now. Keep that in mind. Hmm. That is a scary proposition. Um, other games from around the uh, country, you mentioned Clemson, 31-17 Virginia Tech. That's just a pretty impressive number. I, I thought Virginia Tech had a chance at the upset, and then I tweeted this on the opening drive. When when you can see the size difference on television, that then multiply it by five for what it looks like in person. Okay, Clemson's defense on TV next to Virginia Tech's offense looked like an NFL team against a college team. It just wasn't even close. And the minute I saw that, then it was a matter of Clemson's going to have to go minus three in turnovers. Otherwise, there's no way they're going to lose. They're just that much better. There was a hedgehog joke in there somewhere, but that's not going to be for this podcast. Georgia, 41 <laughs> nothing 
over Tennessee. Now, before we talk about that, let me also say LSU lost to Troy. Yeah. A home game to Troy. Tennessee loses 41 nothing to Tennessee. Now, Ed Orgeron, first-year coach at LSU, I, I don't – you certainly felt that this wasn't going to to be long lasting or end well, and then the next LSU coach is really going to inherit a ton of talent. Um, his buyout's twelve and a half million, so this is—I think this is a pretty easy one to answer. Who loses their job first? Probably going to be Butch Davis. Butch Jones. Ten- you mean. I'm sorry, Butch yes. Jones at Tennessee. I always do that, Butch Jones. Yeah, and the other thing Tennessee. too is the, the the LSU fans like him. They you do. Know what I mean? He's going to be their Brady Hoke, local guy, position coach. You know, he's got the accent. He'll recruit great and be a nice player. Is that player. what it is? Yes. An accent? I think it has a well, lot like, to do with like the persona. F- Fat Albert's accent? Yeah, it's the it's the Cajun accent. They like him. Yeah. I thought it was a bad hire, but it made but I but I could see where it would make sense. Right, where the Mike you know, Riley hire didn't make sense. Yeah, you you know he's going to recruit well. You 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 you're your state, you're in a depressed economy in your state. If you're not going to get Tom Herman, then who's your $8 million a year quarterback to, or coach to compete with Nick Saban? Answer, you don't have one. So I, I get just put him in there for three or four years, let him recruit like a mother. Saban will be pushing 70. And then that's when you go find your Urban Meyer, your Tom Herman, that guy. Okay. I get that. The, so it, it was a bad hire, but at least it made sense because this guy's also going to be loved by your fan base, and he is. Riley never made was a bad hire, and it made no sense. The, the Tennessee thing is Butch Jones has lost the fan base. They have turned on him. And, you know, you're, you've got people spreading negative rumors about their own team, the, the whole champions mm. of life. The fan base has just moved on. They don't want him there anymore. And so you have a new AD there, and the new AD was part of the regime that fired Philip Fulmer there 10 years ago. So this thing's on it. This is dead man walking stuff here. Uh, and then, it, then it's a matter of, I think, who the replacement will be. And whoever it is, my piece of advice, don't hire Brady Hoke, man. Oregon brought in Brady Hoke last year. That coaching staff got fired. Tennessee brought him in this year. They're probably getting fired. I don't know. I just would think that guy's just got, you know, he's, 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 got, he's got a curse. I, I wouldn't want him on my staff. Yeah, he's, he's racking up a lot of realtor fees. Yeah, no doubt about that. I might just let him go his separate ways and enjoy the nice, big, fat, you know, buyout check he got from Michigan back in – 2014 and have a nice life but but it's it's easily going to be butch jones and if if i'm tennessee you georgia was another team physically they just looked like a different program compared to tennessee they're there they are dominating the line of scrimmage i mean they have no pat they i mean they're i mean jake Fromm was like seven of 15 for 80 yards when you are dominating foes and you have really no passing game at all, that tells you what you are bringing to the table up front. I mean, they they look like it, it kind of looks like when Nick Saban first took over at Alabama, he went seven and six. Kirby Smart went eight and five. Next year, year two, he went twelve and two. You know, it kind of looks like that a little bit. If I'm if I'm Tennessee, I've got to go get somebody that. I th- that 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 I think has a personality that can win over my fan base. So let me tell you who I'd hire if I was Tennessee. Chip Kelly. No, I, don't, I think there's no chance he'll go and compete in the SEC against Nick Saban. 
I think he's. I think. I think he ends up in the Pac-12 at one UCLA, of the Arizona yeah. schools or UCLA, right. one of those three schools. I go to Mike Gundy. I offer him a blank check and say, you know what? You've had a nice run here. You've maxed this program out. You and T Boone Pickens ain't getting along anyway. Um, to me, I think his his personality, the way he relates, how friendly he is, how he doesn't take himself seriously, the whole mullet thing. I think he would be. I think he would fit in there beautifully. That's my target. That's who I would go and get. Offensive yeah. guy in an offensively challenged division. Okay, that's the guy I'm going to go get. I'm going to go get him. That's not a bad name, and and I like Mike Gundy too. Most people down here do, uh, and you're right. He doesn't take himself too too seriously, and uh, he's now 50, so not a bad. And Knoxville, Knoxville is a bigger Iowa City, in that it's a massive fishbowl. Everybody knows everybody. Very active message board community. You need to have a certain insulation there. Uh, you need to almost have a lack of self. You either need to do what Ferrance did, which is shut himself off from all of it. But but the problem is with the with Nashville and stuff nearby and all that media, real hard to go into a bubble there. So you almost need to have a la- you almost need to have a, a self deprecating lack of self awareness, not a painful lack of self awareness like Butch Jones with the trash can on the sidelines. Oh my god! We told him let's rally, let's have a trash can as our sideline trophy. Should never work in marketing again. He has a painful lack of self awareness. You need the self-deprecating, lack, winsome lack of self-awareness of the guy with the ridiculous mullet on the sidelines who starts off doing it because it annoyed his teenage sons and then kept it because it got media hype. And he's like, hey, I got to figure out some way to get on television when Jim Harbaugh's on TV all the time in the offseason. You guys were talking about my mullet, so I'll go ahead and let you keep humiliating me. It means you're going to talk about us. That's the kind of persona you need for a market like that. Yeah, no doubt. All right, that'll, uh, I think that'll do it for this installment of the HN Podcast. Steve and I will be back on Thursday night late to share our predictions for the upcoming week with you. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.